Hey, welcome friends. This is Cindy Silva. I'm here with my friend Josephine Lang. Hi, Josephine. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so fun to be with you again. Really wonderful um, to be with you. Yeah, Josephine is a dear friend and we've done some um, lots of playing together on the beach and um, also been in business together with our um, mutual interest in intuition and um, Josephine's website is Step Into Magic. And I'll share a little bit more about that later. But um, today we're going to step into the magic of dreams. And when I think of dreams, I think of Josephine. And I've been wanting to have a conversation about dreams. And so I reached out and got a big yes. And I'm so happy. Thank you. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Josephine, um, taught me this wonderful uh, spiritual agreement. And we've started every one of our conversations with this. And I'd love for you to share it with our listeners. Um, yes. Josephine, whenever you're ready. All right. So this is agree an agreement that I like to ask everyone to make. It's a beautiful way to start time together. And it was a gift to me from my friend and mentor, John Amasi, who was a wonderful woman and a great influence in my life. And it goes like this, and please make this agreement with me if you will. Together, we acknowledge that everything that we think, that we say, and that we do at this time will be of the highest good. And together we ask for truth, the understanding of that truth, and the wisdom to use it in our lives. Can you agree? I agree. I can. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. I do, I do, <laughs> yay! <laughs> Thank you for that. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me of this. It, I really always appreciated that. And we've sat down at your kitchen table and wrote some of our own kind of agreements too, yeah. based on personal experiences that we were going through. It was so much fun. It's a good idea. You know, it sets the intention and whatever our intention is, if we give it our attention, which we do when we have a sort of an understanding or a sharing that we involve ourselves in like an agreement, then we really do manifest along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, Josephine is a spiritual teacher and of course she has a, a, an expertise in dreams and she's also a medical intuitive um, I know you're busy with that work and probably more so than ever with what's happening in the world. Um, so if you want to say anything about your, your work in the world, we'd love to hear that for people that are interested and then we'll jump into the dreams. Wonderful. Well, I've taught classes for years and uh, students and I really enjoy that because it's so nice to interact with people on spiritual levels. And I teach classes in a variety of topics like dream interpretation, prayer, meditation, having a sanctuary or a place where we can do our work, life after life, gratitude and thanksgiving, subtle energies, um, health and healing, of course, from a natural perspective, relationships and how to have successful ones and, and psychic ability, of course, and um, uh, the subconscious mind and the conscious mind and the superconscious mind and how they all interact and, and our purpose. And I feel that when, you know, all of those various uh, topics are wonderful ways that we can find our way into the door of our lives, because we are all here for each for uh, individual purpose and to really go ahead and embrace that as best we can is a wonderful idea. So I've done that for a number of years, maybe 30 years, I'd say. And then I've also been working as a, what is entered the vernacular, the term is medical intuitive. I like to think of myself as a clairvoyant healer or a psychic healer, because it's just a little bit stronger, a little more to the point. Um, medical is, usually involves drugs and surgery. I'm not a doctor, so I don't do either of those things. And intuitive often says that it's a little bit vague, something a little bit subtle. And often my impressions are quite strong. So um, I like to think of it as a psychic skill or as being a clairvoyant healer. It's something along the lines of what Edgar Cayce did in the uh, middle of the last century. Mm. So that's where my work lies. And um, yeah, and then I do love dreams. And um, I feel that dreams are one of the four cornerstones of building a spiritual life, a life of joy and fulfillment. And along with the uh, um, prayer and meditation in the sanctuary, a place where we can do our work, 
on the very firm foundation of self-love. Mm. And we have to love ourselves enough to give ourselves what we truly love in the world, what we would truly like to do. And so dreams is just one of those foundational principles that really help us to open ourselves. And what our dreams do is they give us messages from both our higher self, our superconscious mind and our subconscious mind. And so we kind of need to know, of course, they call it the subconscious because we're not aware of it. <laughs> And so they can bring to us awarenesses of things that are going on that we're just like, do miss that one, you know. <laughs> so, um, so I like to pay attention to my dreams. And then our dreams also can bring us those wonderful inspirations from our, our superconscious mind. So um, that's a great, it's a great time when our, our conscious mind is temporarily just set on hold and we can really go ahead and dive in deep and find out what else is going on in our lives. So that's one of the reasons why I really like getting into dreams. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It reminds me of something I had um, an awareness of recently. It's not really a new awareness. It just landed uniquely. Um, it was that things, there's really nothing missing in our life, right? Right. Just that there's some things in the way sometimes. Like just not aware of, we kind of lose yeah. awareness about it. Yeah. And it's like when we go to sleep, then that thing that's in the way, that busy mind or the ego or whatever it is, the uh, complexes that have agendas and are, you know, seeking can get in the way of our, what we already know and what right. we already have and what we already are. And so when that kind of gets put into a resting mode, then this other capacity we have to know what we know arises. And if we have the perception to bring it through and thread it into our waking life, we can apply that wisdom. And so yeah. this is a piece that you've been really helpful with um, for myself and others in terms of how do we take the wisdom of our dreams into practical application in our lives. Yeah, right. Well, you know, perhaps one way to jump in here is to just talk a little bit about the types of dreams, because there are so many different types of dreams. Um, you know, when I was younger, I was working in a library in the reserve room, and there was often a long line of people going out the door. And I would sometimes dream of that at night, when I would first fall asleep. And that I kind of look at as like a clearinghouse dream, it's kind of clearing some of the energy of the day out from, you know, what's going on um, in my life. And then there are also, I think, most importantly, the teaching dreams, which I think occur just before we wake up. Mm -hmm. And um, that's when the dreams that we most frequently remember, but we all dream every night. Some people say, my husband used to say all the time that I, oh, I never dream, but we actually all do dream. We dream uh, usually at least eight dreams a night. And so trying to catch those dreams and remember them, there are some little tricks to it. So one of the things that I like to recommend that people do is to be sure to get a good night's sleep. Um, so that you can awaken refreshed so that you don't and also if you can avoid like say alarm clocks that sort of thing and I also like to avoid really you know strong visual input just before bed like movies and things can sometimes interrupt our uh, dream recall I'll sometimes wake up and I find that instead of remembering my dream I'm remembering the movie that I saw last night <laughs> <laughs> and so taking the time to kind of have that quiet before sleep and then also to be able to awaken slowly is really good. And then boundaries between, you know, yourself and children or pets is also helpful because oftentimes the cat is like, feed me or the kids are bursting in or whatever. And it's nice to be able to have a nice boundary where you can awaken slowly and remember your dreams easily that way. The other main trip that uh, trick that I really like to keep in mind for dreams and, and dreaming is to have a dream journal. I like this kind of format. I've, of course, decorated this and it has a hardback. And so I can open it up wide and I can put it on the bed beside me. You know, I usually have a blank page ready to go for when I'm going to be doing a dream. And, um, you know, it's kind of nice to decorate it because it makes it yourself your own. And to have that dream journal handy 
Uh, some people like to do tape recordings, but tape recordings, I find that those, um, you know, you have to play it back and you're mumbling and it's hard to understand what you said. And so having a dream journal in easy reach is a really nice idea. And you can just sort of slip one arm over and get the dream journal and the pen right there and, and then make whatever recordings you want to do. And some people like to draw the dream. They'll like, you know, an easy way to do it is to just draw a big circle on the page like this. And then you put the events of the dream in there. So like here I was, I was doing this little thing and then I moved over here and I got into a car and I drove down a road and then there I met my dad or something. And it doesn't really matter what the drawing looks like. What matters is that you get something down that will help to trigger your, your memory. Mm -hmm. And that is a great way for people who are artistically inclined. And you'll find that as you're getting the dream out on paper, you can, um, you know, catch meanings that are deeper. You'll get this like aha feeling, which is really great. Um, so once you get the basics of the dream recorded, and another really great tip is to not move any large motor muscles like your leg or something, because that somehow, the dreams are just so vaporous, you know, they can just escape and float away in a second, because as soon as we engage our conscious mind, we've let go of that part, that dreaming part of ourselves a little bit. And so to keep the rest of the body quiet, or if you have moved, because a lot of times when I first wake up, I'll stretch, you know, and if I can just get back into the same position that I was in, and lay quietly and just allow myself a few moments to just sort of sink in and try to remember. I often will remember the dreams. Mm. And then you go ahead and write them down. And I like to title dreams. I think that that's very helpful. Like the uh, one dream that I had last night, I would title that one probably Little Michael Jackson Dancer. And <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. And then I, the next thing I like to do is after getting the basics of the dream down of what happened and where we went and what we did, I also like to try to think of the feeling that I had. Mm -hmm. um, so the feeling that I had with this dream was that there was a lot of potential that this little kid in my dream, who I was going to work on a, a dance routine with some friends of mine that I frequently danced with, but instead he came over from across the street and he was like, I want to try some dancing. And we had this little video that we set up and uh, on the back patio on the deck and and then he was doing the moves he was doing them really well I thought, wow that's great and so when I woke up I had that feeling of gosh there is a lot of potential here and potential from an unexpected source hmm. across the street so that kind of gives me some tips as to what my dream might be talking about a little bit Mm. So, and then um, another great dream tool. I love this book that by this author, Betty Bethard, The Dream Book, B-E-T-H-A-R-D-S. And this is basically just like a dictionary, everything from, you know, bar stools to universes. <laughs> it's all there. And she's got a little paragraph on everything. And you can kind of go through the, the elements of the dream and jot those down. And pretty soon you start to get that kind of aha feeling. And to me, that's when I've caught the dream is when I get that aha. Mm. And there are other methods too, like um, just free association. Like if you think of, let's say an element in the dream was a lock. So then you think, okay, so lock. So, well, you could think of locks and sour cream and, you know, on a bagel, or you could think of a lock in a canal going down the river, uh, or, or you could think of a lock like a lock on a gate. And, you know, you know which lock it is because it's your dream. And so you would know which the one, which one it is. And so that's, there's another feeling and a concept in dream interpretation that I do really align with, which is that only the dreamer can tell their, the meaning of the dream, only the dreamer can tease out the meaning. And so that's why I try to teach methods for dream interpretation. Uh, another great method is a group dream where you all sit around together and you share a dream, you know, each person shares a dream that they have. And then together you pick which dream you want to work on. So maybe you've heard five or six different dreams and you all think, you know, I like the dream with the rowboat going across the lake. Okay, so then we'll all talk. And so then we say back to the dreamer, the dream that they told us. And we say it in the way that we heard it and we remember it. So we might have some slightly different colors or some slightly different events that have happened in the dream because it's our interpretation. And then we can borrow that dream 
And then we can say, what this dream means to me is such and so. And you're not telling the dreamer, the original dreamer, what it means to them. You're saying what that dream means to you. So that's a nice thing, too. We can also borrow dreams if we don't happen to be an avid dreamer. Mm. Yeah. I've never yeah. heard that. I've never heard that group one. Oh, it's a wonderful way to interpret dreams. And it's really fun, too. I haven't done that yet. I'd love <laughs> to do that with you. Next, yeah. next time you do it, let me know. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for all that. I just, it reminds me of something I did recently. I can't remember. I'll have to go back and read a newsletter. I wrote about it, but I remember the symbolism of a house with many rooms, right? And you discover a new room and it's like discovering a new, because there was something that was wanting to be known and it was really hard to get at. And so I thought, oh, I really need to have a dream and so instead of waiting for the dream to come to show me this new room, I realized I have a room in my house physically Perfect. that I never occupy, that's just empty. It's a guest room. So I occupied it for a month, a full Great moon idea. cycle, and I slept in my own aura, uh, So, which is unusual because I've you know, been sleeping with my husband for all these years, 38 years. So I haven't had, you know, my own kind of dream world for any length of time. Yeah. So I did, and I did have more recall. Yeah. And it was that dream just before waking. Yeah. Consistently after about 14 days was just almost like each day there was a piece and then the next day there was another piece and another. And then this thing that I had been after, or I wasn't after it. I was really trying to remove anything that was in the way of it revealing itself came in. And um, yeah, it's just been really more wholeness, yeah. more, um, what do I want to say? More presence, mm. less distraction in my life oh. uh, and just more. Yeah, more yeses in this direction of hosting conversations again, because as you know, for many years, I did this, and then yeah. I took a long break. Yeah, and, um, this is what wanted to come back. Oh, that's so great, Cindy. How wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I room. yeah, using that word room, I was supposed room. to make room for this. Right. And well, I think that's really the purpose of our dreams is that they kind of bring up for us whatever it is that we are missing. And if we can just sort of pull apart what's blocking that understanding, then we can move ahead with it in a good way and really meet our dreams, the dreams of our lives, our goals and dreams. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think that sometimes, too, we do have big dreams, you know, dreams that are kind of like life guides that come through. I've had a number of them that were just where I just woke up just astounded. And sometimes those dreams are not too difficult to recall. I mean, you just are like, whoa, I dreamed this last night, you know, big dream. big dream. Yeah. And they can really stick with you for a long time. And they kind of are life guides, kind of like overall life guides. But, you know, we do have all types of dreams. We have, like I mentioned, clearing voice, clearing house dreams. And then there's also disembodied voice dreams, you know, sometimes, um, especially common for writers, where like, I'll hear somebody call my, my name, like Josephine, you know, in the middle of the night, and I'll wake up and I'll know the certain thing about that. Like, maybe it was my dad's voice, or maybe it was a friend's voice or something. And then my mom was a premonition dreamer. So she would dream things that would save our lives, actually, as, as kids she just would suddenly come out with a proclaim proclamation and it was like whoa okay you know and since we knew she was a, a, a premonition dreamer and that uh, it could be very effective for keeping us alive we listened <laughs> and really paid attention and um, then there's uh, there are group dreams too like not only the type of dream uh, recall or dream um, interpretation like a group sharing of a dream but actual group dreams there was a very famous one that took place with um I think it was the um, it was a group of Amish women who 
uh, were sewing together and then they started dreaming together and they started sharing their dreams and they were like, you dreamed that too? Oh my God. And they were dreaming that they had become bakers in the city of uh, Chicago in Illinois. And they, one day they just ran away and became, they were all excellent bakers, you know, Amish women. Um, they ran away and started a bakery that I I can't remember the name of it now, but I believe it's still in business to this day. Of course, all the original founders have probably long since come and gone. But um, and then we can have, you know, disaster dreams like a hurricane or a, a tidal wave or something. And those can sometimes signify big changes that are lying ahead in our lives. And kind of like you were mentioning, uh, Cindy, with uh, setting up and moving into that room to for specifically to try to pull away what obstacles may lay in front of you and how it sort of pointed you towards opening up again to having conversations like this. Um, we can program our dreams. And that in a way was kind of like a program to dream. You were sort of setting the stage for that. And one of the very simplest ways to do that is to just simply have a statement at night as you're drifting off into sleep in that hypnagogic state where you're not fully awake and not fully asleep yet either, where you can just say, you know, tonight I will have a dream that will bring me insight and guidance um, to whatever the problem is that you might be facing. And upon awakening, I, I will easily recall this dream and uh, understand its many meanings. And, you know, I'm open and receptive to all information regarding this situation that's in accordance with my highest good, something along those lines. And I like to phrase that in the positive, you know, tonight I will have a dream, not will I please, can I, can I have a dream? Because that's like always in the asking state, but just to use it as a positive, almost like a, a, a quiet command, you know, I will have a dream and I will remember. And so programming our dreams is a really good idea too. It's a wonderful thing for us to do. And, um, you know, then um, there are also lucid dreams. You know, that's one of the things that I've explored a little bit. I did this mostly in, in high school when I was uh, working actively as a choreographer in our dance class. And um, our dance class was so exciting that we decided to hold it every day after school hours. And so our teacher very kindly stayed after. And I would usually ride my bike home, get something to eat, have a nap, and then go back to dance with my friends. And um, I would take these little naps and I would dream these dreams of just like impossible body movements, but they would give me sort of a leg up or an insight into what I could do. And lucid dreaming is a whole topic in itself. And the Institute of Noetic Sciences has been doing a lot of work with lucid dreams lately and offering class of classes and how to do lucid dreaming and things. So if you're at all interested, go to their website and check it out. You can probably get some good stuff like that. Uh, on that topic yeah so yeah, thank you i i have been more and more seeing my waking life as a dream as well like it's all a dream yeah and i don't mean to minimize you know our our lives as you know um because i i see the waking dream and the dream that we have when we're asleep as equal they're both giving us information and guidance yes and so sometimes if there's something unusual that happens in my waking life, I'll imagine that it was a dream. And how would I interpret that in a dream? Yeah. And it brings a whole different quality of information because we're then living our life in a symbolic way, right? Yeah. We're really accessing the wisdom through a, a symbolic way of viewing our lives. Yeah, that's really wonderful. And that's one of the things that I've been really enjoying doing lately is, you know, we don't have to restrict dreaming to just nighttime. Right. We can also do daydreaming. You know, we've known that since we were children. And when our, we had those, those uh, extra, extra brain waves in that department as children that allowed us to do a lot of daydreaming. And I think that daydreaming is a wonderful way for us to, you know, dream our futures, dream what, the lives that we'd like to see, what we'd like to create. And so um, I've been kind of enjoying that lately of, of just really allowing myself to gaze out into the trees or into the sky or whatever, or even just sit quietly, or even just during my meditation time, and just allowing my thoughts to just begin to uh, move wherever they need to move. And also allowing them to come to a place where I can um, 
introduce some slightly creative ideas of what I would love to see in the world or how I think we could go about that. And then just letting that part of my brain just begin to create that. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, I've heard you talk about quite a bit, like dreaming our future, right? Yeah, dreaming our future. What do we want our lives to be about and what do we want? to experience and you know they've actually done some studies with this in schools believe it or not where they've uh, allowed children to have you know structured specified time for them to daydream their future and of course you know what they were asking them to daydream about was getting better grades <laughs> which is great you know how, however it takes us to get there and so the kids that did do successful daydreaming about getting better grades did get better Wow. And I think that's just such a nice little uh, indicator for us that, you know, we can dream a positive future together. Yeah. Well, we are programming, right? Everything we think we are. It, it, we're projecting onto our physical experience. So it is like coding, you know, like it is programming what we want to, where we're putting our attention and our focus. Right, right. Hmm. So Mary Oliver wrote a poem that I'd like to share with you that I just love. It's okay. Um, it goes, all night, the dark buds of dreams open richly. In the center of every petal is a letter. And you imagine if you could only remember and string them all together, they would spell the answer. It is a long night and not an easy one. You have so many branches and there are diversions, birds that come and go, the black fox that lies down to sleep beneath you, the moon staring with her bone white eye. Finally, you've spent all the energy you can and you drag from the ground the muddy skirts of your roots and leap awake with two or three syllables like water in your mouth and a sense of loss, a memory, not yet of a word, certainly not yet the answer only how it feels when deep in the tree all the locks click open and the fire surges through the wood and the blossoms blossom mm. beautiful <laughs> Isn't that nice? and yeah. i love that poem because it just really says to me so much about how dreams uh, come and how they are and even in like i've been experiencing now these waking dreams you know you can't really hold on to too much control you can kind of put a little bit of a, a nugget out there of where you'd like to head and how you'd like to get there but as is the case with daydreams you know you can just let them kind of flow and morph their way toward that end if you can like mm -hmm. the blossoms blossoming yeah, it's like putting a puzzle together. You're getting it. Is. It's like it's not a linear. It's kind of an abstract process that you get a piece here and a piece there. And yeah. There's no real logic to how they go together, but there's an intuitive sense of what each piece, how it fits to the whole. Yeah. yeah. And to yeah. see that bigger picture, like my experience of every morning, there was a piece but it wasn't necessarily linear. There was just a piece and then more pieces. And then eventually I could see the whole picture, like, yeah, like getting a box thousand piece puzzle and then <laughs> having the cover of the box to see how, you know, what the actual image is, but just yeah. reading, and then eventually the image comes into life. Yeah. That's Maybe. wonderful. That's a great analogy. And it's so what it's, you know, such a great feeling when you're doing a puzzle like that. And yeah. you know how it goes where I know you and Frank do puzzles. We love them. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes it's like, it'll be a long time before you find a piece that fits and that satisfaction of putting that piece in and it clicks and it's like, ah, and then that feeling tends to kind of um, echo out and then you get another one and another one and you get this roll, you're on this roll and then there's this lull and you can't, you know, there's not one for a while. And it's, it's kind of like that for me with these dreams as they come, there's pieces that come in and sequence, not really linear, but um, a bundle. Yeah. And then there'll be a while where I don't have big dreams or dreams that have any sort of guidance. And then there'll be a, a time where there's a lot of them at once, like clusters. Yeah, it's a great analogy. And I think also too, that part where you were just talking about, like with a 
puzzle when you're searching. There's a kind of a dreamy feeling to it. It's, it, it's like you don't really know exactly where you're going, but you're kind of scanning through the consciousness to kind of find, okay, what is, where is it? What is it? And it's that asking place, you know, when we are not knowing, when we're in the place of asking, where we're like, hmm, <laughs> you know, that's so often where we find the nuggets of our consciousness that really help us to move forward. Yeah. And information is state bound. So we have to enter the proper state to sort of match that piece, right? That puzzle yeah. piece. We can't be, you know, in a high frequency beta state where our mind is really busy. If the piece of information that's wanting to be known is in this lower theta or delta wave. Right. So yeah, we have to be able to scale those waves and travel, right? Be be a good surfer of those (laughs) mental waves in order to you know, line up and resonate with the information that's wanting to be known. So true. Sometimes we feel information like pressure. That's how I feel it. Like there's a mental pressure or the pressure of confusion and doubt is always a signal to me that something's wanting to be known, but I'm, my perception isn't allowing it. Yeah. So I try to find ways to shift my perception to allow that. Right. To- And, you know, of course, our thoughts are so important. I mean, when we have a thought like, I don't know, you know, versus, hmm, I wonder what will come, you know, yeah, (laughs) the I don't know kind of sort of sets it up like, okay, so I'll never know, (laughs) you know, as opposed to the, hmm, I'm looking, I'm looking, (laughs) listening, I'm listening. That's kind of those are some doors in. Yeah. Another way I think is helpful is to know that you are that information, like you are the source of that information. So it's like, oh, there's an aspect of me wanting to give me this information, but I have to, you know, kind of locate that aspect. I have to meet it halfway. I can't just expect it to come find me, right? It's it's like an invitation kind of like hide and seek right like how universe (laughs) plays hide and seek it reveals itself and then it hides itself yeah kind of i love that uh, that Rumi quote everything in the universe is within ask all of yourself oh i love that too yeah it's so good isn't it it's all there and then the buddha the buddha do nothing time is too precious to waste Wonderful. Those are some real keys to the doors that we're talking about, the doors of consciousness and the doors and the rooms. Remember Rumi's poem? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was an invitation. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's that uh, wonderful Beatles song that I'd like to share with you because I just think it's so great. And it's it's, Let's have you sing it. I'm only sleeping. Okay. When I wake up early in the morning, lift my head, I'm still yawning when I'm in the middle of a dream. Stay in bed, float upstream, float upstream, please don't wake me, no, don't shake me, leave me where I am. I'm only sleeping. Everybody seems to think I'm lazy. I don't mind. I think they're crazy running everywhere at such a speed till they find there's no need. There's no need. Please don't spoil my day. I'm miles away. And after all, I'm only sleeping. Keeping an eye on the world going by my window. Taking my time, lying there and staring at the ceiling. Waiting for that sleepy feeling. Please don't spoil my day. I'm miles away. And after all, I'm only sleeping. Keeping an eye on the 
taking my time when I wake up early in the morning. Lift my head, I'm still yawning when I'm in the middle of a dream. Stay in bed, float upstream, float upstream. Please don't wake me, no, don't shake me. Leave me where I am, I'm only sleeping. <laughs> You. That was so fun. You had me, tap, you had me toe tapping. <laughs> and I was waiting for Honey to come in and accompany you. Yeah, she does. <laughs> that was great. When you first called and said, you know, would you like to do this Zoom together? You know, I thought, yeah, I suppose I would. And then I kind of was sort of thinking about it. Hey, well, let me think about it. You said, think about it. I was thinking about it. And then that song came into my head and I thought, yeah. I'd be fun. I'd love to do it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that was great. And I wasn't really thinking I would sing it. But then as I was getting ready today, I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll just sing this song. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. That's yeah, lovely. It's a nice song because it really helps us to see that, you know, I love that line of when I'm lying in bed, staring at the ceiling, waiting for that sleepy feeling. Yeah. That's exactly the place that we want to go to in our heads to really allow ourselves the space within our consciousness to receive images and ideas of how we can accomplish what it is that we've come here to do. Yeah, that twilight reverie. That's it. It's the twilight reverie. In between, <laughs> on the in threshold. Between. Yep, that hypnagogic state, that little place in between. In the twixt, <laughs> in the twixt and in the between. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where it is, isn't it? It is indeed. Yeah. So hooray for dreaming and hooray for daydreaming and night dreaming and allowing ourselves to find the answers to our problems and the ways forward and the ways that we can reach uh, and uh, accomplish our purpose or know our purpose if we don't know it. It's a mm -hmm. really great thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a couple things. Um, that come to mind about dreaming that people might be curious to hear from your perspective. And that is uh, reoccurring dreams. Yeah, they're great. So a lot of times what's happening with the reoccurring dream is there's something that is trying to make itself be known to our consciousness. Um, but also too, you know, there are great reoccurring dreams like flying dreams, you know, um, I used to have a reoccurring dream that was every at time when school would let out for the summer, I would dream that I was flying. And I think it was just a celebration of the freedom of being able to just enjoy my child self to the fullest without having my day so structured and dictated to. And um, when I was young, I had a reoccurring dream that, you know, was uh, something that I think was a life guiding dream. It was, it took me till I realized what the dream meant, you know, to be able to say, oh, okay, so that is not my path. Because sometimes our dreams are there to also show us what is not our path. Mm -hmm. And sometimes society or other pressures from uh, schools or churches or parents or whatever might be pointing us in a certain direction that that is felt we should go in. And it's not our path. And it's good to know that too, that information. And I think it wasn't, it wasn't until I really acknowledged that that wasn't a part of what my life was going to involve before that reoccurring dream stopped. And then, um, you know, sometimes reoccurring dreams, I remember one that I had uh, that was of a horse that in order for the horse to be healed, it needed to drink carrot juice. <laughs> uh -huh. And it was a dream that was just there to tell me that I needed to do a little bit more of juice feasting and juice, you know, to just clean my body out a little bit more. Now, that didn't mean that I wanted to drink only carrot juice. But for me, the horse is a symbol of power and freedom and joy and intuition. And so for me to help that horse get back up on its feet and to be healthy again, I needed to do some deep cleansing which was symbolized by the carrot juice. Mm. And so then that reoccurring dream stopped when I went ahead and did that. Mm. 
And there was also a wonderful teaching dream that uh, one of my uh, students uh, shared with me that we worked with quite a bit as it was a reoccurring dream. And he gave me permission to share this dream. Um, and the dream was of a big silver ball. It was like 10 or 15 feet in size that was rolling down the road right toward him. And he felt this pressure of this ball coming down upon him about to uh, kill him. And it wasn't. A, and so it, he brought this. He was like, I, you know, I have this dream at least once a month and it always scares me. And so he brought the dream to us. And one of the things that I realized is that when we change things in the waking state, our dream life can change. Or if we change things in the dream life, our waking life can change. Mm -hmm. And so I said, why don't we practice a little bit of dream lucidity, you know, bringing your consciousness to the dream time and see if we can't change this dream and then see if that won't change the situation in your waking life. And so he did. So what we thought about and what we discussed was that there could be some varieties of ways that he could stop this dream, this ball rolling down on him. And one of the ways that we discussed was that in the dream, as he was running down the road, he would get far enough ahead and then he would see by the side of the road, lying on the side of the road, a big pipe. And he could pick up the pipe and there would be a handy pothole right there. And he could put the one end of the pipe in the pothole and then aim that pipe at that rolling ball at just the right spot to stop the ball. And so he did it. The next time he had the dream and as he, he was feeling himself start to panic and start to wake up, he brought in his lucid mind and using his consciousness, he was like, oh, right, there's going to be a pipe right by the side of the road. And sure enough, there was a pipe and he picked it up and he stopped the dream. Wow. He stopped the ball. And that day he told his mother that he was in high school at the time, or you know, last year of high school, that he actually was not going to be going on into college. Mm -hmm. And she was really set that he did and that she was pushing the paper, you know, here's these, you know, different colleges you can consider. And, and he just was like, you know what, I know that I need to go travel in Europe for the better part of a year. And when I come back, I'll go to college, but I need to do the traveling first. And as soon as he he had to stand up for himself. It was his truth. And as soon as he did that, that was the end of that reoccurring dream. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't go to college. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that that right. was his truth for yeah. him in that point in his life. And he did come back and he did go to college, but he just needed to not go right then. And so, and that ball was sort of representative of his, the feeling of oppression that he had. And I think that sometimes our dreams can save our life. I know that certainly it's been the case with premonition dreams with my mom mm -hmm. and her dreams were, and I think in, in a dream of that magnitude, you know, had he not given into it, it certainly would have been soul crushing, if not life crushing, not that I'm saying it was life threatening, but you never know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good to pay attention to our dreams. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It just feels like the dream world gets really active when we're in some kind of a transition, mm -hmm. right? Like that. And also I think with um, the projections, you know, we're all projecting yeah. onto each other and some of um, us receive more projection than other, depending on the position that we hold in the culture and our communities. And so sometimes we're just digesting a lot of other people's projections, but there are those dreams that come that, you know, are from, a different place that are definite guidance. Um, and there's a certain resonance, like you said, that aha moment that yeah, just, you know, um, like I've had dreams 30 years ago, I still remember because they're that potent. And then I've had dreams I had a week ago, I can't remember, because yeah. they didn't have that kind of charge to it. Right. Right. And there are, you know, visionary and prophetic dreams, you know, these are mm -hmm. dreams that are more of a mystical level of awareness, you know, and they contain a universal truth. And um, I have engaged in uh, dream groups for many years, and I really like them. And they're, it's nice when the dream group is about four or five people, rather than say 10. Mm 
Mm -hmm. um, because that way you have time in two hour seg segment of time to really go through where everybody has a chance to sort of express or talk about their dream. And um, in one of the dream groups that I've been in, one of the members was a regular prophetic dreamer. And she had these, you know, dreams that were full of sacred geometry and symbols that were just like, you know, really incredible, like going through one symbol to find yourself in another symbol in another symbol. And they were um, dreams that were much more along the lines of universal consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, and I do feel that each and every dream can be interpreted in that way, we can either interpret them for ourselves or we can interpret them for the group of people that we're most familiar with, or we can interpret it on a large scale, like a universal scale. And so we can interpret dreams in different ways. And so she would interpret her, what I would call more prophetic or visionary dreams, also on a personal level. And But we couldn't help ourselves but reaching to see the interpretation for a global level sure. or a universal level. And then I also find that dreams do definitely have a beginning and middle and an end, you know, so you can kind of set the stage. Like some dreams, you might dream that, um, you know, you're in uh, period clothing, you know, and so maybe this is talking about a certain type uh, or a certain place in your life, or maybe you're dreaming that you're at the family home that you grew up in, you know, so this might be appropriate, this dream, that's sort of an indication, like the first chapter of a book, you know, is this a mystery, or is this a romance, or, you know, <laughs> you can kind of set the stage and see where you're at, and then in the middle of the dream, you kind of get some ideas as to what the action is, what the topic is about, you know, so, um, and maybe the topic is about something that you learned in childhood that you're coming up for reevaluation. And so now that you're in your 30s or 40s or whatever, you might want to think about that, you know, belief system that you had from then and if that's going to shift or change. And then there's the resolution to the dream. And that often lets us know, okay, so this is a way we could head with this direction or this with this dream idea or this this um, understanding. Or maybe the resolution is a little open-ended, like the puzzle piece that you were talking about that we're searching for. You know, sometimes dreams do leave us with a sort of an open-ended ending, like, well, I'm not so sure what's going to happen here. Like my dream this morning with the, the young boy from across the street, you know, the dream ended with him going back across the street because it was time for him to go home for dinner or whatever. And me thinking, well, I'm going to talk to my dancing women friends to see if we want to introduce this young boy into this performance that we were thinking of planning. And so it was open-ended. I would have to consult with the women to see what they thought. And yeah, the kid was amazing. He was a great dancer. And so maybe they would like to, but would have, but it's a women's group. So I don't know, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. so for me, for that dream, you know, what that is sort of saying to me is um, you know, if I think about the characters in the dream and the events that happen, and I just allow myself to mull it over a little bit, the other thing that I really like to do with a dream is to bring it into the context of my life. So what is happening right now in Josephine's conscious awareness of her life, you know? So there, of course, there's decisions that I'm making, there's things that I'm working on, stuff that I'm doing. And so then I think, well, this is a young masculine energy. And he's very talented. And so for me, my life is very yin, right? I spend a lot of time in the dream world and in prayer and in sanctuary and all of that looking within, you know. So this is something coming from outside. This would be a more external. This would be like me doing a talk like a Zoom or you know, <laughs> something like that. Or just being out in the world a little bit more because that's a little more of the masculine yang energy, you know, putting forth and giving out information. And so the question is, is does my, you know, group of interior females who are creative and artistic and um, quiet and dreamers, do, are they willing to and open to allow a little more masculine presence in the world? And of course, today, the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> little pu'er. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. Thank you for sharing that dream. That's really helpful. I think it's beneficial for all of us that you share yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. My pleasure, Cindy. And you know, often like there's no accident. You had that dream last night, and this because you your psyche knows and your subconscious knows you were 
having this conversation today and yeah. then the dream that you had last night and that you just shared it's like it's it's all connected even though we may not know exactly in this right. moment what, how they all fit together they do though there's something about yeah. the timing right right yeah and then like i said earlier you know naming the dream getting the feeling of the dream when you awaken and then doing a little interpretation you know taking the time for that it's a nice way for us to use our dreams that are our nighttime dreams. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you're, what you're sharing and bringing to the floor for our awareness is that there's no accident about the timing of our dreams. Like the subconscious is precise. It, even though it doesn't work on a, in the space and time realm, right. it has the capacity to um, integrate the information needed at the moment. Right. Like yeah, it um, does. It penetrates yeah. kind of like that little boy crossed the street, penetrated your field and then left. Like there was like a penetration and um, a transmission mm-hmm. of, uh, that kind of interrupted your dance. Mm-hmm. Like there's a new step in town. Maybe we're going to yeah. step out, <laughs> step out and do a yeah, different and dance. There was also invitation there too, because, you know, he showed up and he was like playful and he was like, Hey, I can dance. Would you like to see, you know? And then we put on this little video of these Michael, Matt, Michael Jackson dancing, you know, on the, on the screen in the backyard and, and Michael Jackson and his dancers, he had three or four dancers in the dream. They were on a, against a white background and we could really see them. And he said, see, watch this. And then he would do that move. And it was like, wow, this kid is good. Look at him go, you know? It's so great because it's like um, he's famous for the moonwalk and the moon is rising like right now. Oh, I love that. And I, can see it. and I was thinking of it as I'm watching it rise. I keep thinking of you because you and I are very attuned to the cycles of the moon. And um, there's this, you know, the mind can do all kinds of things and make up whatever it makes up. But I just love this kind of moonwalk talk that we're having here about dream. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And just, uh, so, I haven't seen your face in so long. It's just beautiful. Oh, I, know. And, I can hardly wait uh, till we swim together again. <laughs> I know. I know. The, the water's cold, but you know, we didn't, it didn't stop us before. Didn't, hasn't stopped me yet. I'm still yeah. Still love to go in the water. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Josephine is here on the Central Coast in California in San Luis Obispo. And her website is stepintomagic.com. And before we let you go, would you like to say a little bit about why you chose Step Into Magic as your... Yes. The reason why I did that is because, oh gosh, some probably 30, 40 years ago, I was looking at the world situation, you know, and it was, seemed so you know, calamitous at times. And I thought, you know, what we need here is a little magic. (laughs) We need to step into a little bit of magic. And I thought, well, how can I do that? Well, one of the ways is that certainly through our psychic ability and through opening ourselves to other dimensions and through prayer and through dream time and through sanctuary and through, you know, finding our purpose and expressing our, our, the truth of ourselves and really stepping into the blessing of our lives. And so, um, you know, there's that one saying that I think was my, uh, Margaret Mead. She said, never doubt that a small group of people can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Oh. And so I just thought, you know, let me just go ahead and become as human as I possibly can and let go of as many addictions and whatever else is and just really embrace the truth of me and see if I can't do something to help the, the world that way to, um, you know, be here to help in whatever way is mine best to do. And so that was, of course, of course, requires listening to what my role is. And, and thus all those other things that I have embraced for the last, you know, 40 years and now uh, teach and share and, and embody as best I can. Lovely. Well, thank you. You do it so beautifully. Thank you, Cindy. It's so natural. It's so right beautiful. back at you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun. It's fun always to face with you. Yay. All right. Well, I'll be in touch. Okay. Sounds Thank great. Love saying. you. Yes. Love you. Mwah. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye to all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.